What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the DTF Podcast. That's for Doster, T.O., and Phantom. My name is Rob Doster. I'm joined by my lovely, lovely co-host, Terrence Oglesby, former Clemson guard, current ACC network analyst, as well as John Fanta, the voice of the Big East. And I don't care what anyone says. From now on, you are the voice of the Big East. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? What's going on? Doing well. Hey, it's December <laughs> In Morgantown, West Virginia right now, have never been to Morgantown. Very excited to be on the ground, boots on the ground, quite literally, because it is snowing in Morgantown for number 15, UConn and West Virginia. Uh, We'll see what happens in this game. But uh, part of the beauty of conference challenges is you get these types of old school matchups. This is an old Big East game. It's the first time since 2011 that UConn and West Virginia are meeting. I find that to be pretty cool. And guys, Bob Huggins, Dan Hurley. Terrence, you tweeted uh, earlier on Wednesday that you won't find two coaches who get their players to play harder. So that's what's so fun about that, right, T.O.? It's going to be a great game. I, I have some really good friends that are big uh, West Virginia fans, the Zuccheri family. You might not run into them, but you might. So if you do, say say hello to them for me. But I'm, I'm excited. That's two teams that just go at it. They've got good guards, Taz Sherman and uh, McNeil for West Virginia, and obviously everybody that UConn has. R.J. Cole's one of my favorite point guards in the country because he's just so steady. And that's going to be a battle for the ages. Old Big East, bringing back the Big East. Huge Big East guy right here. I'm excited for that uh, game. And those guys battle, both teams. So no go against some of their bigs. That's going to be a battle in itself, too. Yeah, well, I don't. I, hopefully, Sonoga will play. We'll see. He's still dealing with that abdominal thing. I, I, I may have put a little wager on this game uh, with Deshaun Butler, former West Virginia star and former uh, podcast podco, uh, podcast podcast tri co host <laughs> with uh, with Fanta and I on this here show. Uh, the loser has to buy a t shirt for the other team and um, and wear it in certain situations. Which uh, you know, hopefully, you kind of find a way to pull that out. But we got a fun show on deck for you guys today. Uh, we're doing 10 burning questions again. I got 10 questions written down. All of us are going to roll through them. I got four minutes on the timer. We're going to knock this thing out real quick. Uh, and we're going to start with the first question. Number one, on this show, we have not yet discussed Alabama's win over Gonzaga. They went into Seattle and knocked off the Zags in front of what was essentially a home crowd for Gonzaga. So at this point, can we call Alabama a national title contender? T.O., I'm going to you first on this one. I'm saying, yeah, I think they can win six games in a way in a row. And I think a lot of that's what it comes down to. Is there truly a dominant team this year? I don't know. Gonzaga, we all thought was going to run the table and maybe not run the table, but get through the year on maybe a loss or two. They've already got those two losses and we're not midway through December yet. So there's not quite a dominant team per se besides Purdue, but 
they can beat pretty much anyway because the style in which they play and their top end talent at the guard positions is as good as anywhere. J.D. Davison showed out against Gonzaga. 20 points, uh, five boards, four, what, three assists, and his explosiveness off the bench, he brings that energy, that spark, and they played really well despite Keon Ellis not having his best night. He was only one for five, and Shackelford picked up the slack. He was terrific. They've got guys who can score. They've got role players everywhere. And Charles Bidiaco, even though he's skinny, uh, proved that he can be serviceable against some of the best post players in the country. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Alabama is a team that can win six games. Of course they can be considered a national championship conversation team. And I think the biggest thing is we were asking ourselves, could Alabama defend at the level that they defended at last year? I thought that their versatility showed against Gonzaga. I thought Juwan Gary and Keon Ellis guarded well. I thought that Bediaco is a guy, Charles Bediaco, to be seven feet tall and to protect the rim the way he did, to be as aggressive as he did, you have to be the aggressor. Alabama was the aggressor against Gonzaga. What we knew about this team was that Shackelford and Quinterly are explosive guards who make things happen, who can score the ball at any time, and, and really are clinical in their approach. But I think we wondered about the depth of this Crimson Tide team. Depth doesn't have to come in the scoring column. It has to come in your ability to guard. It has to come in your ability to rebound and do the little things. Alabama has bucket getters. We knew that. What I like about this team is that they've got six foot six Swiss Army knives in Gary and Ellis that J.D. Davison can come off the bench and have that type of game. And that Nate Oates is one of the best coaches in college basketball uh, in this moment and has taken the Crimson Tide. And after last year's success, they are on, if not even better than that level, because the amount of versatility and the fact that they've got Shaq and JQ back and they look so, so comfortable. What a win for the Tide. They are absolutely in that conversation, for sure. Yeah, yeah to your point, it's, to me, it's the defense, right? And, and right now, Ken Palm's rankings, if you look at them, still have quite a bit of preseason estimations and last season's numbers kind of factored in. They're top 25, though, in, on defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. Same thing with, uh, with Torvik and, and T-Rank. They're a top 20 team um, in defensive efficiency there. Uh, so they, they're, they're guarding. They're getting stops. And, and the thing that makes me think that they do still have a ceiling that's a little bit untapped is J.D. Davidson. Like That's the first game that he had that he really played like a McDonald's All-American. If you talk to that staff heading into the season, what they kind of said was, yeah, I mean, J.D., he, he's got talent. It's going to take a little bit of time for him to kind of acclimate to the college level, but he might have gotten there against Gonzaga. If you're going to acclimate anywhere, it might as well be against the team that was, what, top three team, college basketball at the time. So um, I will say this, though. I, I wonder how much of that performance was the opportunity to play against a team that wants to play a similar style and get up and down the yep. floor. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to call Alabama like a top five team. But if you're going to ask me if they can go out and they can win six games in a row in March, I mean, if you could beat – Gonzaga on the road, you could pretty much beat anybody. Um, and you know what that's the perfect time for? <laughs> there it is. Oh, boo. That was so uh, me, where's the where's the where what, what kind of I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I changed I had to change it up. I had to change it up. My bad, my bad. All right. So uh question number two. Baylor okay. is the only team in America right now that is ranked in the top 10 of adjusted offensive efficiency and adjusted defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. Do they belong in that? Purdue, 
Duke, Gonzaga, best team in college basketball conversation. Fance, I'm going to you first. No question about it. Absolutely. Um, and beyond the metrics, they have the best culture in college basketball, if not the second best. They're interchangeable. They defend you. The, the length of the floor, they rebound the basketball. I love the height that they have. And, and I think that for this Baylor team, um, to your point about, I think people would be able to insinuate that defensively they'd be near the top of the country. I don't know if I would have said offensively they'd be in this category, but you know what? They are. They are because they've got multiple guards who can make things happen. They've got terrific length. The Bears are a team that needs to be in the conversation. They're the best team in the Big 12 Conference, in my opinion. The crazy part about this whole thing is, is they won the national championship last year and they got more athletic in the offseason. With Sochan and Kendall Brown, like, and they're terrific. And here's your stat. And, and we knew they were going to be great defensively because they have so much length around the perimeter and Chamwa Chachwa coming off the bench and Floyd Damba uh, protecting around the rim. But with those two freshmen and some of their guards, LJ Cryer has been terrific. Here's your stat, though. Coming into the season, I was worried, how are they going to replicate Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler? Because they combined for so many assists last year. Last year's team averaged 16.9 assists per game. This year, through so eight, nine games, this team's averaging 18.9 assists per game. What does that tell you? That ball's still moving. It's still popping. And James Akinjo, you call it a Rob. This was your guy. This was your All-American guy. He hadn't scored enough to be really an All-American. But assist-wise, he's been really good, 6.1 per game. This is a really good team. They're unselfish. Do they shoot it as well as last year's team? Nope. But, buddy, do they guard even better than last year's team because of all that length? So, yes, I would say they are a national title contender. Yeah, I'm not sure I would – quite put them in the conversation for best team in college basketball yet and the reason I say that is that we haven't seen them I think we'll learn a lot more after the Villanova game I think that they're very very good I think that they're probably top five uh, I think that you're right Finn in saying that they are the best team in the Big 12 and I love the makeup they have three great guards right they have three yeah. really athletic wings they have two big guys and every person at each one of those position spots does something a little bit different. So they can give you so many different looks, so many different ways they can play, so much lineup versatility. If you want to go big, you can you can play those three wings together, right? You want to go small, you can even slide Kendall Brown to the five if you had to. Like there's they, they can they can do a lot of different things with that roster. But we've seen Purdue go out and beat a Villanova team, right? We've seen uh, UCLA go out and prove it. We've seen Duke go out and prove it against a team like like Gonzaga. So as good as Stanford and Arizona State and VCU probably could end up being this year. Um, as much respect as I have for a Michigan State program coached by Tom Izzo, kind of need to see them do it against someone that is at that elite level before I go and say, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Can I ask you a question? Gonzaga hasn't been able to do it. I mean, I, I, I think there was a big hole with Gonzaga struggling with big athletes. We saw it against Alabama. We saw it against Duke. That front court, even though they're good, they struggled with big athletes. So are we still considering Gonzaga a national title contender? I, I, well, probably, but I, I, yes. I think Baylor's there. But for me, it's Purdue's the best team in college basketball, and then it's everybody else. I'm still at yes. that point. All right. That's a, that yeah, is that's a, a, that's a, that's a masculine alarm. 
Yeah, that's sad. Best team on their best day. You know, that's like, right. Like it's 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 this big thing. Yeah, I think Purdue, to your point, briefly, best team, best makeup. Um, it's hard to argue that they're that they're not number one. They are number one. All right. Speaking of the Big Ten, we're going to go to question number three. Can Illinois compete for a Big Ten title if Andre Corbello never reaches the level that we thought he would this season? T.O., you're up first on this one. I don't think so because there's a team named Purdue there. I mean, Jaden Ivey, there's nobody in the league that matches up with him. Not one person. Zach Eady, there's nobody in the league that matches up with him. Not one person. And the Big Ten's big. And that tells you how big Zach Eady is. So I want to say no on that, but I will say this. Uh, we overvalued Curbelo a little bit. He's too emotional to be a 40-minute guy. I mean, even when he's not playing, he's going nuts on the sideline. Like, not kind of crazy, full-blown crazy on the sideline. So, like, here's my thing with him. He's more J.J. Berea than he is Jason Kidd. Meaning, I'm not sure that you can rely on Corbello. And this isn't a shot. He's still a very good player. I think he could end up finding a role in the NBA at some point because of his, I guess, his pop that he adds to your offense. But because he plays, he's a riverboat gambler. Like, because he plays in such a dramatic fashion all the time, it's hard to leave him in there for 40 minutes. But what you have found out is that Trent Frazier can run some point guard for you. And the more boring this Illinois team has been, the better they've been. But the problem that you're going to run into is sometimes that game is a slog and you need a jolt of energy. He can provide that for you in spades. And another thing we can keep in, we can keep in mind, he's only played two games with Kofi Coburn. And in those two games, nine points and six assists a game and only three and a half turnovers. Now it's almost two to one, but that's much better than what he was before Coburn. B, B, BC before Coburn. So I, I think like... <laughs> You, you have to take that into account a little bit. Whenever he does come back, he's going to have that rim presence with Coburn. And like Illinois has got shooting all around. They can get hot and hit, hit a lot of shots. But uh, BC and AC, like there's a big difference between the two. Well, your question was, can Illinois compete for the Big Ten title, right? If Corbello's not at his best. Um, so I disagree with Terrence's answer. I think that, yes, Illinois can. And I don't think they need... Andre Curbelo at his best because they've realized that Alfonso Plummer is a guy that can score the basketball well and, and do it consistently. And I think that Curbelo being out of the equation here lately has allowed them to find that out. When you think about what Plummer does, when you think about what Grandison does off the bench for this team, um, he's a guy that played very well against Iowa. I look at Illinois and I, here's what I see. I see a team with the best big man in college basketball. The best pure big man in college basketball. Kofi Coburn, on his best day, I'm taking him if I have to pick a post player. So you have him, you have Plummer, you have Grandison. What they need is they don't need Curbelo's. They don't need what we think is Curbelo's best. They need Curbelo to stay within himself. I don't know if that's possible. To T.O.'s point about he's not this type of player, 40 minute a game. Trent Frazier's big time in every way. I mean, I just think he is, he is so vital for them. He's the glue that keeps them together. They got to mesh Curbelo into that equation and allow people to play off each other. But can Illinois compete at the top of the Big Ten? I think Illinois on their best day is still the second best team in the Big Ten. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I, I tend to 
fall in the middle with you guys, right? I don't think that anybody is competing with Purdue at the top of the Big Ten, regardless, right? Like I think Purdue is going to win the win win the Big Ten by two, three, four games. Um, but I don't think that that I don't think we're ever going to see Corbello reach the level that we thought he would. But I do think that as long as he is playing some kind of role, they're going to end up being fine. They're a good team. Kofi's awesome. Next up, question four. Fanta, is Michigan back? Um, no, not, <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't think that it's – I think it's a little too soon to just say they're, they're back. You know, back to being top ten. Remember, this was a top five team in the preseason. Do I think that they – no, I don't. But I also think that they're a youthful team. So, like, for me, I'm looking to see if they will arrive into the the mold that we thought that they could be. They need Musa Diabate to keep evolving, keep getting better. I think he's going to be an ultra-talented player. He is. He is. But it's channeling all that into something that's consistent. That is the key. The other thing is, guys, that backcourt to me is too inconsistent from a perimeter shooting standpoint. It is. And, and so I can't sit here and say that you're back when I don't know what I'm getting from game to game beyond – what Brooks is giving the Wolverines. So like I, I do, I think that, that uh, Mike Smith, the Columbia transfer was so solid for this team. And they've asked um, Devonte Jones to be that type of guy. And I'm not sure game to game, what he's going to give me. So is Michigan back? I, I, they have to arrive. That, that, like that's my answer. They're not back. They have to arrive. I'm exactly where you are right there. I'm not sure they're back. I'm not sure they were ever here to begin with. Like that, that's the big, that's the big, that's the big thing for this year's Michigan team. Last year they had Franz Bach. They had all kinds of guys that can initiate offense and make things work for your offense. But this year, this team's still figuring everybody out. Like Devonte Jones has been fine. He has been great. He's been fine. But here's the kicker over the last two games, they're 26 of 51 from three. Mm-hmm. Like, so you look at this Michigan team who hasn't shot the ball. Well, shooting fixes a lot of woes boys. Fixes a lot of woes. You play against a bad Nebraska team, which I'm shocked by. I thought, like, this is Hoiberg's third season. He's going to start moving. That's typically his turning year. Hasn't been able to do it. But you shoot the ball that well. Another thing is they beat San Diego State. Musa Diabate played seven minutes. Didn't play against Nebraska. Now, I don't know. Is he hurt? I don't know for sure. If he's hurt, if he's not, I'm probably making myself look like an idiot. I didn't watch the entire game. Please excuse me. There was a lot going on. But – him and Hunter Dickinson don't play well together because they both operate in the same space. So what happens? He sits out last game. That ball's moving around. They're having a lot more cutters coming towards the basket, and they're shooting the ball much better, makes it harder to double on Dickinson. So you shoot better than 50% from three, you are going to be better. Are they back? Yeah, if they can shoot 50% from three. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, so I I think that they're I'm, – I'm buying them long-term, right? I think that they're going to find a way to figure it out because there's no way that Diabate and Caleb Houston and these guys can be as ineffective as they were at the start of the season. That said, I'm not ready to to say that they are quote unquote back yet. Right. Um, I think that there are so many moving pieces. And, and last night on the show on after dark, Archie Miller made a really good point in that there's so many of their key pieces are being put into roles that they had never played before. Eli Brooks went from being like the fifth guy on that team to being the guy that's going to be asked to do everything on the perimeter. That's, that's 
that's a big jump. That's a very different uh, way that you're being asked to play. Brandon Johns went from being just a guy to being the guy that is asked to space the ball. He, he's Isaiah Livers now. That's what he's being asked to do. And I, I think that there's a chance that he could end up getting there, but I do know that it's going to take him a while to kind of figure it out. So I'm buying them long-term. I think that there is talent on that roster. There's no way that Caleb Houston was going to struggle as much as he was at the start of the season, right? Like that dude is just too talented um, to keep playing that way, but um, I'm in on them, but they're not back yet. All right. Next up question. Number five, T.O. You got this one first basketball in the Hawkeye state, which is Iowa is loaded this season, but I want to know, do you think it is a Hawkeye state or a cyclone state? It's a Hawkeye state until the cyclones win. And TJ's done a great job there. I mean, he, he's a perfect example of how you can flip a program in one year, given how the transfer portal operates. Now you get all these, these guys, you have your, t- your five top scores are four transfers and a freshman. That's going to be the big 12 freshman of the year in Tyrese Hunter. Let's just go ahead and say it. I called it before the season. He's been terrific. Go <laughs> ahead. Pat me on the back. I'm going to take that one right away, but plus one, plus one. <clears throat> Give it to me. Uh, Isaiah Brockington's been terrific. Cal, sure, even though he hasn't been super efficient, he's still been good enough. Uh, any series, it's called the Iowa Corn Cyhawk series, fires me all the way up. And Iowa's reeling a little bit. You lose to Purdue, you lose to Illinois back-to-back, and then you go to your in-state rival. That's going to be interesting. I wanted to kind of make a joke about, like, Otzelberger being the worst thing for Iowa since the bowl weevil, but I decided against it. I'm not making that joke. I'm not making that joke because we're going a long way back in history and I don't want to offend anybody from the flat state. That's the but, thing I think you've ever said. I know, you know what the bowl weevil was great depression took out all the crops. Iowa had it, had it rough for a while. So there you go. <laughs> but I, but I like, I like, Iowa, I like Iowa state. I think, man, he's got them playing hard. They defend and Isaiah Brockington, man, he's come over some kind of career reemergence program there in uh, what is it? Ames? No, it's not Ames. I, I get him confused somewhere. It, over there. it is Ames. It My bad. I, I'm going crazy right now, but Ames, you can see, you can see Iowa's campus cause it's so flat. You can see it from Ames. You can so see funny. both campuses right there. Cause it's so flat, but uh, if the Cyclones win, give them the state. Give them the state. <laughs> yeah, they play Thursday night. Um, that'll be a fun matchup, one that uh, I, I can guarantee is going to be a loud building. Fancy, where do you stand? Well, I think that Isaiah Brockington is is a star. And I think that this team, I'll tell you, when I watched them on Saturday night at Creighton, tough place to play, they kind of give me Virginia vibes. Like, like. Virginia, good teams, vibes. Um, not pretty at all. It's not pretty. Like, they won very ugly the other night. Very ugly. Um, but you know what? They just play – you said it, T.O. They play so hard. They get up in you. They they do a good job of making you uncomfortable. I think they defend ball screens extremely well, and that's where I think Iowa's going to have problems. Iowa's going to have problems because Iowa State comes up they cut off that ball screen with hard hedge, and they they make you work for what you're going to get. Creighton, who's not offensively solid, uh, they're, they're a work in progress themselves, very young team. But I thought that Iowa State, Nick Baugh was on the telecast, our friend Nick Baugh, and he said, Iowa State's defense is keeping Creighton from running their stuff. Guys, we're talking about Greg McDermott. 
Like you, you just kept Greg McDermott from running his stuff. Like that's a that's a really gutsy a gutsy road win. Um, so for Iowa State, Rockington's a star. I, I thought that on when I watched them on Saturday, the fact that they had Caleb Grill come off the bench, he has a, a career night for them. Again, not a pretty team. They can shoot the three. They don't take a ton of threes, but they can shoot the three. They went seven for 14, and that went over Creighton. I like Iowa State because I like them defensively more than I like Iowa, and so that's why I've got the Cyclones on Thursday night. Yeah, the thing that's great about Iowa State is um, this is not a typical Iowa State team. They are going to win the fight before they win the game. Yep. I like that about them. Last thing I'll I'll note is they have – Two really, really good guards in Brockington and Tyrese Hunter, two guys that can go out and win a game for you. So if you can defend and you have two guys that can take a game over, that makes you a dangerous basketball team. Question number six. Uh, I think, Fanta, you're first on this one. What is a team that has struggled to start the year but that you're still in on? Oh, man. Um, This was a hard one. It's a very hard one, and I'm the one who came up with this question. (laughs) I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first then, all right? While you think about go it. Ahead, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Mine is North Carolina. Oh, I feel like it's going to be an ACC team just because they've disappointed her. Well, because that, the, the entire conference is disappointed. But the reason I, I like North Carolina here is that I'm in on their backcourt. I'm still in on Caleb Love. I'm in on R.J. Davis now. I think they have really good guards. Brady Manick has been playing very well. Dar- Dawson Garcia has been playing very well. Uh, they're starting to find ways to get Armando Baycott to be a little bit more effective. But the biggest thing is this. They gave up 89 points to a Tennessee team that scored 44 in regulation against Texas Tech at the Jimmy V Classic, right? They went for they, the first about three weeks of the season, they couldn't guard anybody. I'm pretty sure if you put the three of us out there, we could have put up 80 points on that North Carolina team. Uh, over the course of the last four games which was about two weeks uh the i mentioned them earlier torvix ranking or torvix efficiency model allows you to break it up into certain time frames over the course of the last two weeks they've been a top 15 team in defensive efficiency i'm not saying they figured it out for good but they're actually trying to play defense now and i think that that is a huge huge boost to them if they can get stops they have enough firepower to win a lot of games i'm backing on them as a top uh, a team with the, the ceiling to be a top 15 or 20 team in college basketball. I think to me, they're very clearly the second best team in the ACC. T.O., go ahead. You got me. I'm going Carolina too. And it was going to take Hubert Davis a second to kind of figure out how to coach defense, because it's one thing to coach defense during the summer when it's a bunch of individual drills. It's another thing to set up scheme entirely. So I really like the fact that over the last two games, they've really, really defended not to mention guys they've got four guys averaging more than 14 points a game this team can still score I mean let's I think Brady Manick I think a lot of people including myself thought hey he's going to come off the bench if he gives you seven to nine points a game you're going to be really really happy he's going at 14.1 right now and he's shooting 40 almost 42 percent from three like he has been exactly what the doctor ordered and we're not even talking about Dawson Garcia he's averaging 10 like, this is a team with a lot of weapons. And if this team guards, they're going to give a lot of teams a run for their money, even maybe Duke, whenever they play at Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've, I've, I've given Duke a lot of praise. But because of the way that Carolina plays, the depth in which they can score, they're going to give teams problems. And Caleb Love, he started out rough, but he's averaging 16.3, boys. Like, he's been really good attacking the bucket, and he's shooting the ball so much better this year from beyond the arc, 40%, at least so far. 
I got to give it to him. Not to mention he's over a two to one assist turnover ratio. That is not, that was not the case last season. So I'm still buying North Carolina. Yep. Fanta, go ahead. Yeah. So I'm actually going to go to the big 10 and I'm going to go with the team that's probably viewed as, as not one of the top teams in the big 10, but I still like their upside. I think that they're going to make the tournament. Uh, I'm going to go with Northwestern. And I say that because I look at boo booey. Um, I like the way that he plays. I also look at Pete Nance, and I think that he's a stud. Pete Nance is a stud. Like, he's one of the guys in the country that's not getting discussed enough nationally. He's averaging over 17 and 8 per game. He's shooting 54% from the field. He's averaging over three assists per game. That kid accounts for about 25, 27 points a game for Northwestern between his scoring prowess, his rebounding ability, and his passing ability. And I think that Chris Collins is a – a coach that gets some level of credit, but not nearly enough. Northwestern should win their next four games. It should be 10 and two. I think the Wildcats do enough in the big 10. They beat Maryland on the road. Look, never easy to win in college park. That team got up for the game. I'm going with Northwestern. It's easy to win in college park this season. All right. Question number seven, uh, who is off to a hot start that you are not buying T.O. I'm going to you first on this one. Hey, guys, it hurts me to say this because I saw them in person. I thought they were really, really fun to watch. I thought they were really tough. I thought they did a lot of things really well. But I'm going with Minnesota. 7-0 and to start. They're 143rd in offense so far this season. It's going to make it hard whenever they shift into Big Ten play because they're going to get beat up a little bit. Jamison Battle has been really, really good. He's averaging 18 a game. He's shooting really good percentages. And he's an isolation scorer that not a lot of teams have. But I don't think the depth – of scores on that team is going to be good enough to consistently keep it going forward. So I think Minnesota, and I love those guys. Peyton Willis has been really good. He's averaging 17, four, like these guys can play. I don't know if the depth is there to be what is needed to compete in the big 10. And I think you're going to see a drop off pretty heavily because 143rd in offense, it's going to get you through the non-con and you're going to guard, but everybody in the big 10 guards too. You got to be able to score the ball at some level. Um, I'm actually going to stay in the big 10. Like I still don't, I'm not a big believer in Wisconsin. Um, I know that a lot of people might disagree with me on that. Uh, I, first off, I've never enjoyed the style that they play. I know that can be pretty successful. Um, but if, to me, if you cut off Johnny Davis, who's hard to cut off, not saying he's, he's hard to cut off, but if you do take him out of the game, um, we saw what Wisconsin what their what their worst is and that was really a, a flat out awful performance at home uh, they really did not play well in a loss to Providence early in the season they did not have Davis it was early in the season Johnny Davis is exceptional Brad Davison's been around forever um, TJ Wall that that front court unit I, I just don't trust Wisconsin long term so I see them in the poll and I know they beat Marquette Wisconsin should beat Marquette at the Cole Center they should win that game they should win that game. Um, so do I trust Wisconsin on the road at Ohio State? Do I trust them against Illinois? Do I trust them against Purdue? Do I trust them against Michigan? Would I take them over Michigan State? Maybe it's a toss-up game. I, I don't, I'm not a huge buyer of the Badgers despite their recent play. So this one might be a little controversial, and I think the T.O. might push back on me on this one. But I'm going to go with LSU. Uh, I, I just – 
I'm not ready to put them in the conversation as one of the best teams in the SEC. And it feels like that's kind of where they are right now. They are, I believe it's top five in the net, if I'm not mistaken. I think they might be number two. They're they're yeah. way, they're way up there in some of the metrics. <clears throat> I just I need to I need to see it. The one thing that I will say, I do think that this is a team that has staying power as a tournament team, as a uh maybe top six team in the SEC, and as a team that can be a threat to make a little bit of a run. Uh, because they are actually playing defense this year, right? Last year, number five in defense on Kim Palm, number five. Yeah, yeah. they're they're way up there, which is a lot. Like really impressive for a team that was not good at all last year. But I need to, I need to see them beat somebody before I start putting. Like, I, look, love Steve Forbes, Wake Forest. You, you talked me into him, To beating beating Wake Forest, not really doing it for me. Beating Penn State, not really doing it for me. Your best win is Belmont. Like LSU should be beating Belmont. Let's be frank. So uh, I'm not ready to annoy. They beat them by 30. Yeah, it's fine. They have more. They have better athletes. Belmont's always going to struggle with athletes. It just I, I'm I'm not ready to anoint them as a top like tennis kind of a team, which it feels like the hype is putting them at. All right, next up, uh, this one should be easy. I, I, I'm guessing that all of us are going to have a, a very similar answer here, but. Who needs to hit the panic button? I don't remember who's going first. I think it's Fanta. Fanta, you go first. Um, I mean, the fact is, I think the obvious choice uh, is going to be brought up in this, but it is clear that Vanderbilt um, is in a real bad way. I mean, under no circumstances should Vanderbilt be losing at home to Temple. Under no circumstances should that be happening. It shouldn't be happening. Vanderbilt basketball has seen such better days than this. And the fact is, is that that program is going to have to have a hard look in the mirror at who they are and what they're going to be going forward Uh, because they they have really fallen. They've fallen. And here's the thing, guys, the Southeastern conference is a league that you can't, you can't be deep in a hole. You're not getting out of it in the SEC. You're losing to temple at home. You think you're going to beat SEC teams in your league? You don't have a shot. So for me, Vanderbilt hoops. Um, Jerry Stackhouse just hasn't worked. Like the, the, things are things are not working down at Vandy, uh, and so that's why I, I go to Vandy because I think that that's a program that has had a higher standard, and frankly, they're just not performing up to it. It is not going well. I know what you're going to say, Doster, so I'm going to let you have it. But I'm going Virginia. Like, Virginia has just not been very good. There's no other way to cut it. And we knew eventually uh, Tony Bennett was going to take it, was going to have a down year. We just didn't know when because he's been so good for so long. And eventually it's going to catch up with you. I think everybody agrees with that. But here's the crazy part about it is they're still playing their same pace. They're in the 90s in offense, but here's the kicker. They're not great on defense either this year. And that's the part that's hard because the pace is slow. It still looks like those metrics are really low. Like people are only scoring, like they lost against Jane Madison 52 to 49. So it still looks a certain way defensively, but it's because they're playing so slow. Here's one too. James Madison beat Virginia at home and didn't have a single double digit scorer. (laughs) Can I, can I say one thing about that though? Yeah. I don't think that we should bang on, Virginia too much for losing that because one they're losing a true road game to a good mid-major team where that kind of 
more or less their Super Bowl. And two, we want those games in college basketball. Having a power conference team on the road against an in-state rival is a great thing for the sport. So I applaud you, Tony Bennett. Get, test your team. Yep. It's not going to hurt you that much. It should not hurt you that much when it comes to tournament time, when it comes to rankings, when it comes to the national opinion. Like, we They're know not- how hard it is to win on the road. That place was rocking. James Madison, some of you people might not know this, that is a wild campus. They get after it. They party. They drink. I guarantee those students were letting loose. It's the end of finals. It was it was wild. You saw them storm the court. Yep. They flooded the entire court. They not- earned it. I they earned it. Tony Bennett for challenging his team in that game. It sucks. You lost. Whatever. It's not going to be that bad. Well, well, hold on. Well, wait a minute. But they're not going. But they're not a tournament team. They're one of the better teams in their league. They got a shot of it. And whether or not they make it, whatever. Um, I didn't get finished. But here, here's my thing with Virginia. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. My team to panic on is Memphis, but T.O. Cut you off. My bad. Make your point. Go ahead. Be quick. Dude, they got to shoot the ball better. Ball better. Armand Franklin, 0 for 6 from 3. Tane Murray, 0 for 4. Kihei Clark, 3 and 9. They got to shoot the 3 a little bit. Not a lot of bit. Just a little bit. They got to shoot. They, they, they got to shoot the ball like it's butter, right? <laughs> yeah, being one of the better teams in your league, that's not saying much this year in that league. Yeah, for I mean sure. the, the ACC is not a top four league in in America. No, year. it's not. It's no. not. But but we were. He, I think uh, Dolster was talking about JMU being a potential tournament team, not Virginia. They probably are, but but yeah. I don't think that Virginia is a tournament team. No, no. You, you, all, all I'm you, saying, you won that one, Fanta. You won that when one. It come, when it comes down to it, and you look at their resume in March and we're talking you they'll be in the conversation on the bubble at the very least I expect because I think that Tony's going to find a way to do enough in a bad ACC to at least get them in the conversation and when you look at that resume and it says bad losses I don't think we're going to see at James Madison on there because I expect them to be a top 150 team in the net and I expect that to be a quad two loss quad two losses those aren't backbreakers Uh, all right number nine the most underappreciated player in America is uh T.O. you're first on this one uh, he plays at Southern Cal. His brother was drafted top three. And now we can talk a little bit about Isaiah Mobley. He's got Southern Cal 9-0, and boys. And he's averaging 14 and 9.6 boards a game. He's almost, he's a double-double waiting to happen, and he's getting three assists per game. He's got a great feel for where his teammates are, and he's really well coached out there. I like that USC team. We haven't talked about him a whole lot, but the guy him and Boogie Ellis and a number of others, they're pretty good. So – we haven't talked about him because out of sight, out of mind, obviously, the West Coast, we've, we've been enamored with UCLA. We've been enamored with uh, Gonzaga. We've been enamored with Oregon playing really bad. But the, the Trojans are just kind of sitting over there 9-0, and kind of sneaking under the radar a little bit. Not to mention, guys, he's every bit of 6'10", and he's shooting 41% from two – or from three, excuse me. So, like, let's – Give my man a little credit here. I know his brother's gone, but he's still a really, really good player in his own right. Yeah, they have a very real chance to be undefeated uh, on New Year's Day. Um, on January 2nd, they play uh, Arizona at home, which will be uh, one of the first marquee games in the Pac-12. Fancy, you go ahead. I'm, I'm going to let you have the second, second go here. Michael DeVoe at Georgia Tech. Guy. Got to be. I mean, this kid's a pro. He's a pro. I hope that people can appreciate it. I actually hope that ESPN and and the ACC network can work out some things to give this kid a little bit more. I totally understand Georgia Tech doesn't rate the way that Duke or Carolina rates, but man, if you're going to be focused on the NBA draft like ESPN was during Gonzaga and Alabama, then you got to look at Michael DeVoe a little bit. This kid is incredible. I mean, he's averaging over 23 a game. He has four assists per game. 
But guys, he's shooting 55% from the field as a six foot five senior guard. He's shooting 55% from the field. He is outstanding. He's a three level scorer. Um, I, I love the way he plays. I think he has always played so hard, but I really like him in Josh Pastner's system. So Michael DeVoe for me, if it weren't Paolo Bancaro, uh, we'd be talking about Michael DeVoe in the ACC Player of the Year combo. He's so good. Guys, he's so good. I don't know that Georgia Tech's going to be able to win enough games, but he is. If, if he doesn't start out horrible last year, he's probably not in a yellow jacket uniform this year. Like, that's how bad the beginning of last year started for him. Uh, why he's not a back end of the first, early second type of guy is beyond me. He's got a good size. He can run the point. He shoots it really well. I'll go to you, Doster, because I'm going to shut up because I've talked enough about Mike DeVoe. Yeah, he's he's awesome. That was a that was a great call. One of your one of your great calls um, in the preseason. To I'm going Harry with Hunter, freshman of the year, Big Twelve. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you, you you brag a little bit more. Brag a little more. All right, so I'm, going, <laughs> I'm going for my most underappreciated player. I'm going with David Roddy at Colorado State. People that haven't seen Colorado State play, this dude is a six foot four, two hundred sixty pound, uh, anime Disney loving. Uh, kind of a goofball that just so happens to be like college basketball versions of Draymond Green. He's averaging 21 points, eight boards, two and a half assists, 1.4 blocks, and 1.3 steals on the season for an undefeated team that should be ranked in the top 25. All right. Last question of the podcast. Hmm. This one, th- this should be the easiest one. Uh, t- uh, Fancy, we're going to you first on this one. I think I know what you're going to say, but the game you're looking – the most forward to this weekend. We it's the first weekend. It's a college basketball weekend solely, right? Saturday, loaded slate. Sunday, we got a great game. What's the one game you're looking forward to the most this weekend? Arizona at Illinois. Uh, I love this matchup. I, I just the, these schools have great history. I think that Tommy Lloyd's coming to the Arizona job. I love the way they play, and so them. This is in Champaign, right? I'm correct in saying yes. that? Yeah, it's in Champaign. This is a terrific matchup. Terrific for college basketball to have this game. I applaud everybody involved in this for getting this game lined up on the calendar. I am so fascinated to see how Arizona's front court combats facing Kofi Coburn. Um, and I think that Trent Frazier in this game is so big for Illinois. Um, the Curbelo situation, you know, we'll see what what's up with him, but you got – an Illinois team that seems to be finding themselves a little bit, an Arizona team that has impressed all three of us mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. I love this matchup. Uh, I think State Farm is an underrated building in college hoops when, when a big game occurs there. I love this. And by the way, uh, and I guess I'm saying this with my Fox College Hoops uh, jacket on, this game is on Fox. Tim Brando's doing the game. I love Timmy B. He always elevates the energy in a game. I love – I also am a sucker for broadcast TV games, right? Like college basketball is on CBS a lot, but this weekend we have a couple of games that are on Fox and, and ABC as well on Sunday, which is probably the game that you thought I would say. So I'll be a little bit contrarian, I guess, because I know there's a top six matchup. I will go with Arizona and Illinois. I'm just genuinely excited to see these two brands with some history play each other. Tio. Tio, yeah. go ahead. I'm going to let you have the top six matchup. I think Minnesota and Michigan at Michigan is going to be a really good matchup. It's a heck of a litmus test for a Minnesota team that hasn't really been challenged overly yet. 
And I'm curious to see how Michigan's able to play if they're able to keep shooting the ball the way they are. Houston at Alabama. Is Alabama going to be hung over from beating Gonzaga? That's a legitimate question. But I have full faith in the fighting Nate Oates. And then uh, I'm going down to holiday hoops giving, at least for the second session. My daughter has a ballet recital during the first session, so I'm not going to be able to make it down for that. But that second session, I'll be down there checking that out. It's going to be Georgia Tech, LSU, Ole Miss, Western Kentucky. And I'm going to do the You're after going to dark. See You're just going to see your boy. You're just going to see your boy, Michael DeVoe. There you go. It doesn't matter who they're playing. You're just going to see Michael DeVoe. That's what it is. All right. So I'll be the one to say it. Villanova is playing Baylor on Saturday. It's going to be three o'clock. It's going to be one of the best non-conference games that we get this college basketball season. We're going to get Scott Drew. We're going to get uh, Jay Wright, two of the most likable coaches in college basketball. There's going to be a ton of threes. This is, I, I can't wait for this matchup. I just, I cannot wait to see these two teams face off two of the top five teams in the sport, two teams that can win a national title. And as cliche as it sounds, guys, this is a Final Four game in the first weekend of December. I cannot wait. But as it stands, we got to get out of here. My name is Rob Doster. That guy is John Fanta. That other guy is Terrence Oglesby. Thank you for, uh, I guess, watching, listening, consuming another episode of the DTF Podcast.